Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Hi, Waiting Warriors. Welcome to this episode this week. I'm super excited because this is one of my friends that I'm sharing with you. And I'm so excited to share her because I feel like she has such an important thought and message that is really important for everybody here. So welcome, Sabrina. I'm super excited. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. And please forgive me, guys. My voice just might give out at the by the end of this. I'm just gonna do this like deep, sultry. I'm gonna, gonna talk some sweet things to you in my deep, sultry voice today. But we'll let Sabrina take over. Um, Sabrina, though, is a um, good friend of mine. Her and her husband Quinn. He is an army dentist. They just moved away from us. We're super sad. But they're relatively new to their active duty experience. But like she'll talk about later, she has a ton of moving experience in her life, which has helped her as a military spouse. And then she also has a nine-month-old daughter who is super cute, (laughs) super cute little girl, and a five-year-old dog. So, Sabrina, tell us... um, Tell us about yourself. What has been your experience leading up to and as a military spouse? Okay. Yeah. Uh, So, okay. We are relatively new. So I guess going backwards a little bit, we've been active duty just over a year now. Uh, Quinn, my husband, was inactive reserves uh, while he was finishing his undergrad. Mm -hmm. So, we have moved around the country. Uh, I think, you know, when you come to military life, you know, the first thing everyone thinks about is like moving around mm-hmm. and that is just normal to us. We are from Oregon and I did my undergrad in Oregon and after at Oregon state. And after, uh, we, after I did that, uh, we moved, we, we got married and then we were college sweethearts, I guess, if you will. And, uh, then we moved to Idaho for my husband's undergrad and I worked, um, I worked for the department of ag there. Uh, and my background is in agronomy, agriculture. And then, so I worked putting him through school. And then after that, he went on to get, uh, to go into dental school. But before that we had a little bit of time. And so we moved to Colorado and lived with my in-laws for a little bit. And then we moved to Chicago where he did dental school. Again, I uh, worked full time putting him through dental school. (laughs) And uh, I also got my master's while he was in dental school. So I worked full time, got my master's, and I was on the board of a nonprofit. I was volunteering a lot as well. And uh, then he finally graduated. And I guess I should say when he was in his undergrad in Idaho, that's when he was commissioned. So he joined and they... uh, you know, swore him in in inactive reserves, which uh, basically that just means you're a part of the army, but you don't do anything, which is so weird. So we just felt like we, I don't know, in in a way we felt like we were imposters, right? I mean, and I feel like that's silly to say, 
but it's just like we didn't have he didn't go to basic training he didn't do anything but he still was technically in the army right Mm. um and so then yeah then we got to chicago and after that after uh his four years there then we uh got an assignment to fort campbell um so in between that though that's when he went to bullock in san antonio for two months and i traveled um so at that point what that's like four states so we did oregon idaho colorado illinois and then tennessee uh and then yeah when we moved to fort campbell um i was pregnant with our daughter and so i it was a big switch so i don't know if you want me to get into that right now yeah yeah, no Uh, so so when we were in Chicago, I was working uh, as an office manager for uh, a large community foundation. And that was a lot. I will tell you, um, if, you know, for anyone who's put their spouse or, you know, watched their spouse go through their schooling um, and then yeah, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot on them and then on yourself as well. You know, especially if you have children at home for us, uh, it took us a little while to get pregnant. And so the timing of it worked out so that when we, when Quinn was, um, got his first assignment, he went to Bullock. I was probably in my second trimester. And then, uh, I traveled around and we got to Fort Campbell and then I, everything I knew was different. Right. So I had been working full time. I had been, you know, involved in a lot. Uh, and then now I was a stay at home wife without any kids, (laughs) Uh, you know, which is, which is different um, because most of the time everyone around you has kids, um, you know, and that's how a lot of women connect with each other is through the children. Um, So I will say now that I have a nine month old, I sometimes think back to those times. I'm like, why didn't I get more done while I was at home for those few months uh, before she came? (laughs) Because now I'm like, you can get nothing done. Like how does any woman get anything done ever? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're like preach. Oh, and so, yeah. So, yeah. So I guess coming to Fort Campbell um, as our first duty station, one, I was so happy. I mean, I know everyone has a different experience each place they go, but we loved it there. We loved Fort Campbell. It was so family friendly. We loved our community. We loved our neighborhood. Um, we found, you know, our church community. And then uh, I started volunteering. So uh, I'll get into that a little bit later. But that's one thing that I first did is I started uh, volunteering with the Red Cross there on post. And I actually started doing the newcomers meetings. Uh, so, I, yeah, so I'd go every week and I would do the newcomers meetings. And I like doing that. I like talking to the new spouses. And even though I was like, a total new spouse, right? Like total newbie, didn't know anything. Um, that's one way that I, you know, I got involved and I did take the army 101 course, mm-hmm. um, through the, what is it? I'm still getting used to all this. Yes. I think is who does it. Yeah. AC. Community resources and the yeah. family. So that was really good for me being new uh, to army life. Uh, the army one-on-one course was just helpful for me to get to know some of the terminology, some of the etiquette, some of the, um, hierarchy that I wasn't familiar with. I still am not. Uh, <laughs> and, and, that, and a lot of that's because again, my husband is in this 
strange unit, you know, mm-hmm. which is pretty small. And so we don't, I would say I'm not familiar with some of the, the, the army structure. Right. That, you know, that maybe some other wives are who has like an FRG unit or, you know, mm-hmm. those things. Yeah. Um, You're just not exposed to it as much being in the dental core. Yeah. yeah. No. And um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of where we're at and uh, how our journey has been so far. And then, I mean, we were only at Fort Campbell a year, less than a year, really, which is too, too bad because we loved it there. We loved all the friends we made and uh, yeah, we just love Tennessee and Kentucky. I mean, it's always so strange, right? You're on the Kentucky side, Tennessee side. And then, yeah, and then we 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 uh, PCS'd here to Fort Hood uh, just a month or two ago, and so far we're liking it. <laughs> yeah. So what was that transition like, though? Did that go smoothly, or was it difficult for you to go from no one controlling you, and and not only like you as a couple, but you as a woman, mm-hmm. you. I mean, your schedule was your own. Obviously, I'm sure you like worked with your husband and all that kind of stuff. But really, like the only thing there was really only you dictating your schedule. And now the army is not only doing that, but your and your husband's job. But then also you don't have work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then you become a mother. Was that like <laughs> smooth and easy for you, or was that? Did it just turn over your whole world? Yeah, uh, that was a rough transition. Not not gonna lie. Um, well, I I should say the the transition to army life wasn't as rough as the transition to motherhood. So, <laughs> uh, but that might just be my personal experience, um, and also just our situation, right? But yeah, let's see, army life to me, and this might be my outlook on life, um, is that I love adventures, right? Like I am an adventure taker. So I love anything. Like I love going new places. Um, so, so in that respect, army life is really great for us. And I have seen that with other women, um, spouses that I've talked to in the army is that some are kind of miserable wherever they go. Right. Uh, it just seems that, uh, and it is probably true in other circumstances as well, but, uh, that it's just like, oh, there's no place like home, right? Well, then there's other people who just thrive on change all the time and who love, like, they can make home anywhere they go. And I would fall into that latter category where I I moved a lot growing up. Um, my mom was a single, a single mom. I mean, she got married um, a few times and divorced, and we moved around quite a bit growing up. And I, at the time, and this is maybe something that uh, those who have grown up in the army or, you know, those of you who have children who have been moving a lot as far as PCS goes, uh, I can relate to that because we moved a lot, a yeah. lot growing up. Um, I, I remember at the time hating it. I remember hating every time we moved um, and just thinking like, oh, okay, it's the end of the school year. We're going to move. I'm going to go to a new school. And at one time I added it all up. I, you know, I tracked my years by the schools I went to. And K through 12, I went to 14 schools, um, oh, wow. which if you do the math, that's more than a couple in a few of those years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
so yeah, it was a lot. And I will say at the time I didn't enjoy it, but by the time I was in high school and definitely college, man, that really paid off because I can adapt to like any new situation you throw at me. Um, I do feel like I got a lot of my resiliency from having to just, you know, be okay with like a new situation and not those things that are familiar. Um, so coming back to just coming into army life, um, moving, you know, you of course are sad every time you move just because you're losing your, what's familiar and your friendships and your routine and all that. Um, and then, yeah, as far as, you know, the army as a whole and as a, not only as a job, but as a lifestyle dictating what you can do when you can have time off, how far you can go away from home. I mean, all of that, like that's, that has been um, tough at times, but, you know, stacking all those things on top. So adding, you know, new to army life, uh, new to not working. Right. So that's the first time since I was 14 or 50, I think my first job was 15 years old. I'm not working. And that I think for some women who, um, and I'll, I mean, I'll just, I guess, speak for myself who I find, I find a lot of fulfillment in work. Um, that's where I can voice a lot of my opinions. I can, um, you know, I have, I do have control in, in my job setting and I can make change and, in what I was doing in the last part of my career was I was working in the nonprofit world and it just felt good, right? Like what I was doing, I was feeling good. I was contributing. Um, and you know, people listened to me and <laughs> I, you know, and, and I, I, I had personal growth, um, you know, and for anyone who works full, full time, I mean, our spouses included, you spend so much time with the people that you work with, right? And you you form these friendships and these connections. And so to go from that to a really great environment where I loved the people I worked with and I had things that I was always striving and getting, you know, um, working towards to nothing. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was hard at first. And I I really that's why I threw myself into volunteering. Um, I was a office manager and volunteer coordinator at my last job, and so I. And I volunteered so, I mean, going back through college. I love volunteering. I think it's one of the best things you can do. But uh, so I did that. And then the transition, I will say, and maybe, I don't know if I should say this, but I had a great pregnancy. So that was great for my first, right? I had a good pregnancy and I had a really great birth. Um, so that's also good. Uh, the transition into motherhood was rough in that I had very little support, um, from family. And, uh, as far as, you know, and I think most, most women are in the military, we can, can relate to this is that you're away from your family. Right. And so if you're lucky enough that your family can come and be with you, that's really great. Um, that wasn't the case necessarily in my situation. And it was weird. It was around Christmas time. My daughter was born on Christmas. Uh, so we weren't traveling to be around family. And at the time I hadn't really thought to like invite family to like be with us at Christmas time. Um, maybe that was my own fault there. Uh, and my daughter was colicky. Um, I didn't even really know what that was. Um, 
I was naive when it comes to motherhood. So that's been new for me because I don't think I talked to enough women. Like I had, I was the friend who had a lot of women and mothers as friends. Mm -hmm. And I was the one who didn't have any kids. And I loved doing that because I got a lot of um, good mentorship from other moms that way. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I was asking the right questions. because. (laughs) I don't think, I mean, I really have had experience with three-year-olds and above, but I didn't really have experience with newborns and infants. And so for me, that's something that I really lacked. Um, And I'll tell you how I kind of remedied that is that uh, I I didn't ask questions as far as like, I mean, feeding and nursing and um, and napping and all those things I just didn't have experience with. Right. And so Uh, I remember asking women at church, I'm like, how do you get your babies to sleep? You know, and like, come show me, like, how do you do this? And, and I think I was always going to the doctor too. And my midwives, um, thankfully I had some really great midwives and a doula who was able to come help me. Um, I did have a doula. I gave birth at a birth center. And so they were there with me through that, you know, those first hours. Um, But man, yeah, I, didn't even know what to do with a newborn. <laughs> um, and so I did, I did have a mom from church come and help me. And she came um, when my, when my daughter was just a few weeks old and I said, please help me, like show me how to like get her to go to sleep and things like that. So and I, I reached out. You did that because who I've never heard of anybody else doing that, but like, why not? But and, and I love it because it's it's a part of you that I really admire that you are unapologetic about who you are and even the part of you that was I don't know what I'm doing. And instead of like just suffering through it, which I think a lot of women do, mm-hmm. you ask for help, which I think is is amazing and incredible. And but that's a super helpful part of your personality and your mindset of look like I know who I am and I don't know this part and I need to learn. So let's go find somebody who is, who is good at it and who's, who can help me. And, but like it, I think it just comes from your, your self-awareness and confidence inside of yourself. And I love that about you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you. That's really sweet of you. And I, you know, sometimes I, I, I think like, where did that come from? Right. Where is that? And I, and I, I've worked with therapists. I believe in therapy. Like I love all of your podcasts because I feel like I'm a product of many of them because as I was listening to some of your past episodes, I'm like, yes, like, like I think couples therapy is amazing. I think individual therapy is amazing. Like I just, I find that, uh, having that self-awareness, um, it, it can help, uh, just, have someone to bounce ideas off of and also just like kind of go introspectively. Um, and you're right though. I, I think because I'm so honest, um, I've learned to be tactful. I, in, <laughs> when you, when you're, when you're in a professional setting, like you have to learn how to be tactful. Um, but man, I just can't lie. Like I can't lie and be like, Oh yeah, I got this going. Like, you know, I know and put on a face because, I did not know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so where, like, 
where does that come from though? That whole just mindset of what, I mean, what even would you call that mindset? Or, I mean, yeah. So, yeah. So I definitely believe in like, you do you right. Which I, um, we kind of talked about that offline is that I, I believe, I mean, it's hard because I believe that each person has something inside them. Right. And I believe that like it's, it's multifaceted and it really starts with that confidence in yourself, right. And your abilities and loving yourself. And like you said, like being unapologetic, like with who you are. And I mean, I can't necessarily answer like where that comes from. I will say that I've had some really great women in my life who I've looked up to and that's going back to when I was younger. I mean, I think my mom was a really strong woman. I think my gram grandmas, um, on both sides. Um, so my mom was adopted. Um, so my grandparents were actually on uh, my grandpa and grandma were in the military as well and stationed at Fort Campbell years ago. Oh, yeah. And so my grandparents were in the military and for about eight or nine years and they could not have children. So could you imagine back in the fifties, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, my grandma's stuck at home and not having kids anyways, they were able, uh, afterwards to adopt. And so they adopted my uncle, my other uncle and my mom. And then years later, my mom actually found, uh, through open adoption, um, through the state that she was adopted in her birth mother. And in a long, you know, long story short, we have a really amazing relationship with my mom's birth mother, uh, my grandma, and she is a strong woman. I love her. And I, it is eerie how much we are alike. Um, so I've had a lot of good women in my life mm. who I've looked up to. Um, and I guess part, if I'm going to be honest, part of it is that some of my first jobs were on farms and in Oregon, um, at least in the area that I, I grew up in when I, when I was a teenager, uh, girls worked on farms. So you worked on farm, uh, in, in our, the farm that I worked on, we were, uh, the girls were combine drivers. So, uh, like those big harvester machines. Like, <laughs> yeah. So you could be 14 driving a big, um, har- harvester. And so mm-hmm. I, uh, I worked on this farm, my neighbor's farm for, six years. I mean, I got through high school and I went through college and I look back at that time with not only being around guys, but the mindset of the farm and the owner. So the owner's wife, um, it was part, partly her farm from her family and man, they just supported girls. And so I just feel like I, I was in a, I was in an environment that was like, yeah, you can do this. You can drive a combine. You can drive a tractor. Like if there was something broke, we could fix it. Like they involved us and sure. There's always like the razzing, like like that happens when you work with guys um, in those environments. But I will say it was such a positive place. And I hope if anything for my daughter and I will hope that she can be in an environment like that, where she learns that like work is work. There's not guys work and girls work. Um, there's just work. And I think we see that in the, the service as well, right? Whether it's army or, um, Navy or air force, there's women and men and we can all, you know, we all do it. And I don't know. I think that's just really important. (laughs) Yes. So, uh, with that, I just really think that 
when I say you do you, you know, it's not just like, oh, you do you and like forget everyone else. Like, I definitely don't mean that at all. I think that okay. you, you just can't compare yourself to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that to live a really rich life and be our best self, we have to like love ourselves first mm-hmm. and before we can really like love other people. And so that's really what it comes down to for me is it like loving yourself. Like, sure. Do I have imperfections? And I could go on a list about that. Like even like when we were doing this uh, interview tonight, I was like, should I put makeup on? Should I like actually like feel you know? And I was like, you know what? No, I'm just going to be comfy. Yeah. <laughs> because I knew that you also weren't going to judge me, you know? And yeah. like, I think part of that too, is that, uh, you have to not care so much what other people think. And I think that is so, it's easy to say, but I've learned over the years, it is hard for many women to do. And sometimes um, I'll give an antidote with that. It's just when I've been in church sometimes in our women's meeting, uh, I can think back to when I was in Chicago, we would have like lesson or talk or, you know, a discussion about like not judging others, not judging others. And like, and I'm like sitting in the back of these classes and I'm like, what, why do we have to talk about this again? Like, really? (laughs) Like, haven't we got it through our heads? Like, just to like, like not judge others, but it's like more than that, right? It's like deeper than that. It's not just not judging other women. It's like, love yourself first Mm -hmm. and really work on that. And I think that that's, and I'm, you know, I think we talk about like self-care a lot, but really I think you have to love yourself. So um, anyways, I guess uh, I, I think it all comes back first to being like confident and like self-assured. And I hate sometimes that like men can be confident. Yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 you know, and that women sometimes when you come across a woman who is confident we can be labeled as aggressive or too assertive or feisty or whatever, these other terms, but yet a guy being the, that same way is like, Oh, like, you know, he's confident. Yeah. He's confident. Yeah. Good for him. You know? So I don't know. Those are just a few of my thoughts there. And I think that when you do love yourself and when you are confident in your abilities and I am seeing there has been a movement over the years that like, like loving yourself no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. That then I think you can lift others up once you love yourself fully. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so okay. So two thoughts. Mm-hmm. Then we'll rewind back a little bit because you talked about judging and how um, we think other people are, are going to judge us. What <laughs> yeah. I always loved. My mom has always said repeatedly. She always says because um, I have four sisters, so yeah, you know, oh. lots of girl girlness. <laughs> Yeah. If we were ever alluded to the fact that we were worried about somebody would judge us, she would always say, anybody who thinks like that isn't worth your time anyways. If they do, you know, like if we were worried about somebody being offended by something or, you know, thinking this, thinking that, she's like, anybody who does isn't worth your time anyways because they're not your people. They're not accepting you for what you are wanting and needing to do. So mm-hmm. it's so, it's so funny. Cause I didn't ever, when she was saying that, I didn't ever think like she was teaching us. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, my mom's teaching me to mm-hmm. be true to myself. Be confident. 
yeah. yeah, be confident and everything, but she totally was. And it's, she was giving us permission over and over again to be ourselves. And if people didn't like that or accept that, then they're just not your people. And that's mm-hmm. okay. Like, isn't it freeing? Yeah. See, and that's, and then Michelle, I can say this. I, that's what I love about you and what you do and why I feel like I'm drawn to women who feel this way too. Um, because like when you talk in your podcast or your, your stories or, you know, any of your media, like you are just conf, I feel this is me. <laughs> I feel like you're confident in yourself and like you can be yourself in, you know, you can be yourself on a good day. You can be yourself on a bad day. And I think that like that shows that like, like, I don't care that I'm in my like frumpy clothes or I'm sweaty, you know, yeah. whatever. Cause that like, happens a lot here. I'm sweaty here. <laughs> lot (laughs) that's the thing yeah and I yeah and I going with that too is that that one of the things that I live by too is like comparison is the thief of all joy and I I I believe that right if you're comparing or like you said if like you're thinking of what other some what someone else is thinking about you Mm -hmm. it's just a it's a dark hole that you can get yourself into so with that, with that self-love though, how do you feel like you've gotten there or how do you, I mean, not even like, cause I don't feel like it's a place we arrive. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of journey to yeah. constantly do. So what do you do to keep that self-love? Um, yeah. Alive. alive? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's just like when you love someone else, like you got to work at that love, right? Like with yourself. I mean, it's, I totally, love that. You right? have to work on <laughs> isn't it though like it's not like you just are like okay I love my spouse and I don't have to do a thing thing after that right it's like you go on dates you do things right so I and I do want to separate like self-care but I think it's a part of loving yourself and self-love but yeah totally for me it's positive affirmations um it's positive self-talk uh I worked with a therapist hard Self-talk is so hard. So hard. But you know what? My goodness. Like I remember um, hearing again in one of these these discussions with other women that this mom, I mean, she was so self-deprecating. Like it was painful. It was so painful for me to like be in some of those discussions where this woman is being so self-deprecating. And then she realized at a certain point that her daughter you know, is getting older and she was like nine or 10 at the time. And that she was starting to say some of these things about herself. And it's like, you would not like the things that you say in those moments when you're being self-deprecating or when you're not having that positive self-talk, you don't want your daughter, you have four daughters. You don't want your daughters talking about them that way. Right. And so like, if we, you know, want that for our daughters, of course, like we want that for ourselves. So I will say positive self-talk is not always easy. But once you do it and when you practice it, I mean, I'll give an example. I remember um, I had some girlfriends back in Chicago and we would, some of them were from my church and some of them were just from a running group. And we would do this uh, annual running trip together. So it was really fun. We go down to Southern Oregon and we did a relay race and it was called River to River. Uh, it was 80 miles and there was seven or eight of us women who would do it. And we were in this van for a weekend. We're sweaty and gross. And we got on this discussion about, you know, positive self-talk. And I remember saying to some of the women, like, because there was a range, like some women were in their fifties, some were in their like twenties. Right. We had a big, we had a range. And I said that, yeah, like, don't you just ever like look at yourself in the mirror and just like, yeah, you're amazing. I love you. Like, 
you're so beautiful today. Like, dang girl, you look awesome. Or like you go get it. Like it's just silly. Or I was just being silly, but I was being serious too. And that like, I say those things. And one friend, she was like, what? You say that to yourself? Because I had noticed that she was kind of negative about herself and self-deprecating. And, and, and she said, I would never say that. I could just, no, I'd never say that to myself. And I said, it's amazing, right? It's like, it's, it just changes your mindset, right? It changes your mind when you hear positive things. And if you're relying on other people to say those positive things about you, I mean, of course you want your spouse to say positive things and friends and family, but you have to start with yourself. I mean, we know that we know that like you have to like start with yourself so that you really can accept compliments from other people and believe those things. And so I'd say that if you struggle with that that's where a therapist really can help because you can work on that um it's kind of it's sometimes called self or parts work um where you're working on these different parts of yourself and you can just learn to love yourself better um and then in that same same trip actually i remember a woman so you know we're all running gross whatever it's illinois and there was a woman who was in like full makeup. She was cute. Like she had like, you know, coordinating running outfit on and the same woman, and I think it was maybe two was kind of like, Oh my gosh. Like, can you imagine like wearing makeup? Like, Oh, look at her. Like it was just pretty much putting her down. Right. Uh And I cannot handle that. Like I just can't put handle women putting other women down. Like, it's just like, maybe that's like my feminist roots where I'm like, And I know that like bristles some feathers, but to me, what that means is that I'm about supporting other women. Like I just don't like taking other women down. I'm like, we get taken down by the world enough that like we have to support each other. So I don't sit idly by when that stuff kind of happens. Like I, they're my friends, but I still called her out and I said, Hey, like, like again, she wears makeup. That's okay. You don't wear makeup when you run. That's okay. She wears like pink leggings. That's okay. And a tutu, whatever, you know what I'm saying? And they were a little shocked because I don't think most people, uh, uh, like getting called out, but it led to a good discussion. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that, I think it's when, and I, I don't know, I guess, I don't know how to say that, but I just think that sometimes we have to like, call our friends out when they are like putting themselves down or putting other people down and be like, no, we need to support each other. Like, I don't know. I just, in my friend circle and like when I'm around other women, I just can't handle that. And of course there's commentary. I always try to distinguish between like gossiping and like some commentary, which of course, like it's going to happen. Right. Austin and I were just like talking this evening, like we weren't judging, we were talking about like finances and spending and stuff and we weren't judging. We were just curious of what other people's like thoughts and stuff. And that's okay. Yeah. But (laughs) I think when you, I think when you love yourself and you're okay with yourself, you're able to do that a little bit easier because you're not coming from a place of insecurity, but yes. Yeah. That's um, a good point. Cause then you can, when you're insecure, you're worried about yourself. Whereas if you love, love yourself, then you can lift people up around you. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think you can lift people up around you if you're not okay with yourself. Yeah, it's, no, 
No, you know, um, so my husband, bless his soul, we are yin and yang, right? We're just opposites. Um, I'm more likely to be in the army than he is. So let's just put that out. <laughs> like, I actually, what's funny is that I was going to join the Air Force uh, when I was in high school. And then I had someone not talk me out of it. But they just gave me wise counsel where they said, how about you do a year of college? And then if after a year of college, you want to do the service, like, or, you know, Air Force or whatever, then do that. And I never looked back because I ended up really liking college. Anyways, but my husband... <laughs> a couple of years into our marriage, honestly, like he was just struggling with a lot of this, right? Like I did not understand how much he cared about what other people thought of him. Like, because maybe that's not a part of me and not a part of like what I, I, I phrase it as it's not what I, I don't let it take up space in my head, right? Like brain power, right? Like I just have so many other things that I'm thinking about or doing that I don't let that worry me. And, uh, at one point, I mean, I just, he really confessed to me that he's like, he spent a lot of time worrying. And again, maybe that's our difference in childhoods, just difference in personalities, whatever our life circumstances. But he asked me, he's like, Serena, how do you not care so much about what other people think? And I mean, the part, part of it is that I, it's not that I don't care. And I guess I've had to learn this because I was kind of a can I say hard ass on here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, sometimes uh, women who are in male dominated industries, which I was at the time, I was in agriculture, right? And um, I was one of the few women in my um, area, my field. We tend to like put on armor, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're like, I'm tough. And I definitely did that. I mean, you can't see me, but I'm kind of petite, right? Um <laughs> You don't picture me driving a big tractor, right? <laughs> um, but but what I learned over the years after I started loosening that armor and I worked with, I, I believe in therapy. So I worked with a therapist a lot to kind of understand myself better. But what I learned is that um, when you, when you do, uh, when you, it's not that you don't care what other people think it's that I don't let what other what someone else thinks about me affect my view of myself does that make sense yeah so so I try to not say anymore I'm like I don't care what you think or I don't care what people think I don't care what people think of me I think that's maybe a more immature view and that's definitely how I was in college and when I was younger but it's evolved to be okay it's not so much that I don't care what other people think because I think especially in the workplace um, and certain things that you do need to care. Right. Yeah. But it's like, I'm not going to care to that point that like what they think of me is going to affect the way that I view myself. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So, so I know you have um, four ways because you do you, you have four ways that like can help people kind of get to that place because it is hard I think especially for women I think especially as a military spouse it's really easy to want Mm -hmm. to conform want to especially if you live on post I think it's really easy to see what everybody else is doing and think that that's what you're supposed to be doing and just to conform and to get uncomfortable with yourself and then 
also to just relinquish control to the army and that can affect even you on a very personal level. So what are ways though that we can um what's the right word to just to, just to ingrain that and get yeah. better at you do you I know you've talked a lot about yep. self-love yes what so I'll go do yes so, so we already talked about the first one which the first one is self-love just love yourself so I won't go into that anymore because I do think that like positive affirmations um maybe I'll just touch on that for one second all through my pregnancy I did hypnobirthing and in hypnobirthing um, it's all about positive affirmations and it is amazing. Um, I won't go into any more on it, but I had positive affirmations all over my house. Like mm-hmm. I kid you not, I had them, my aunt printed them up for me and I had them plastered in every room. So, I mean, that was for kind of something specific, right. To have a wonderful birth. Um, but I have others and I think that that's really good to like, just have that you know, you're strong, you're amazing, you got this, whatever it may be, put it up on your mirror and, you know, have that mantra. Um, I also listen to positive affirmations and like strike a power pose once in a while in the mirror, you know, like hopefully people have heard of that, right? Where you like, it actually, I mean, scientifically gives you more confidence um, to like strike a pose in the mirror, you know? if you're ever doing a phone interview, you can do it in front of a mirror and you'll do better. Um, <laughs> so then the second way is to really be your own cheerleader. And I, and I, I don't really know how else to say that in that you have your own dreams. You have your own there, you know, even if you've been a mom for several years and you know, you feel like your life is all about your children and your spouse and you kind of feel like you've lost yourself. If you take a moment, take some time, you will remember or you'll, you'll can find what makes you happy. Right. And I know for you, it's plants, mm-hmm. uh, right. Growing things. And that's the thing is like, everyone has like that thing or that dream, right. Or maybe it's on a small scale or on a big scale. And I just think that like, it's so important for you to be your own biggest cheerleader because no one else cares about your dreams or your ambitions more than yourself. It's of course you want your sparse, your, excuse me, your spouse (laughs) or your partner to care a lot about what you do, but they also have their own dreams and their own career and their own stuff going on. And so you should have that too. So I just think that I think that successful women and success is defined differently by every person. So I'm not trying to say one thing is success, but I think that, um, you, you have to kind of sh- like, you have to, care. you have, to, yeah, exactly. You have to care about it because no one else is going to. Right. Um, and then be proud of it. Like whatever it is that you do well, um, or that you want to do better or whatever, just like be proud of it. Um, I don't know. I think sometimes we think that like humility is like self being self deprecating too, which is not at all. Like there is a difference between humble and, you know, yeah. ragging on yourself. So then quickly, number three for me is really watch what you consume. And I think that this is huge from the women I've talked to that do have issues with self-esteem or confidence. Time and time again, I hear about Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook and all the different ways that they are consuming this media and then using that filter to then judge themselves, right? I'm not enough. I'm not 
pretty enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not, I mean, the list goes on and on. So for me, and this is something I have lived by since the onset of social media. um, And maybe it's because I was very reluctant to accept like Facebook and Instagram and all of that. Like I even, it's so funny because I held out on getting Instagram for years. Like we traveled, uh, we traveled Europe actually. We had a few months that we went and we traveled Europe um, between dental school and I didn't, I was offline. I was not on Facebook. I wasn't on Instagram. I wasn't on anything and it was wonderful. But then I get back and like a year or two later, I find out about Instagram, right? Like a friend of mine was like, you really (laughs) should get on Instagram. And I'm like, what is this? This is amazing. Like I could have totally been like photo journaling my trip. Right. Um, It's just funny about that. So anyways, what I mean is that consume positive media. Like my number one rule for myself, and this is for me, and I think that it's served me well, is that if whatever I'm consuming is starting to make me feel less than Mm -hmm. or otherwise crappy about myself, right? And you know that, like, you know those feelings, like you have this internal, you know, gauge of like, I'm viewing, I'm viewing, oh, that's cool. Let me like save that. Or I want to do that too, to like, it turns. And I don't know if it's like a time limit or whatever it is, or just amount. But then there's this where it's like, you feel terrible about yourself and you start, you know, you start viewing yourself through this, like I should do this or like, why is this person doing this? And I'm not doing that, whatever it is. Yeah. So I stop viewing. So I, if, whenever I start to feel that way, I stop viewing, I'll get off. I unfollow people too. So, and that's not to mean, or you can unmute or you can mute or whatever you call it. Um, and one example, this is, I don't know if this is terrible, but my, excuse me, no, my husband's friend's spouse became like a influencer, right? Like she became like big time fitness. uh, I mean, like millions, like kind of skyrocketed. We went to their wedding years ago. Um, Lover, right? Like I don't really know her that well. Um, We're just, I would say acquaintances, but it didn't make me feel good. I mean, this is, this is, I'm being really honest here. It didn't make me feel good when I would consume too much of that particular media because she was always in like super skimpy workout outfits. Um, a lot of it was just all about like your body and like building your body up and this and that. And that's just not what I need to be consuming. Like it didn't make me feel better about myself. So although I like her as a person, I'm really happy for her. Like, I mean, way to go. She gets to travel all over the world. She gets free stuff like cool. Yeah. That, that doesn't make me feel better about myself. Right. So I stopped following. And I mean, that's a simple example, but I mean, I don't spend a lot of time on Pinterest or things like that. Like I, and don't get me wrong. I am not like one of these anti-social media peoples. Like you see me, I'm on and I use it a lot because as military and, you know, as anyone who's away from family, we are away from all of our family. We make friends in all of these locations and then we pick up and move. So it's a, such a great way to stay connected, but I just know for myself that like, I have to limit my consumption of just media in general, whether that's, you know, online or whether that's television or whatever. And I also, then in contrast to that, I follow inspiring women, right? So I will follow people who um, like positive podcasts, yeah. uh, books, 
memoirs, music, Instagram pages, um, just so that I can feel good, right? Right. When I think it's like social media is awesome. I like I use it. It's it's awesome to receive messages and to spread a message. But I think it's like there's a a, a silly balance that we all have to figure out where it is for ourselves of like when we're being entertained and then like over entertained mm-hmm. as a but then also like you said like are we putting good positive things into our life because you know for me it's like there's this balance of you should never put anything negative in your life but then also like are how much time are you spending simply entertaining and numbing yourself versus are you using it to receive positive messages so I think it can be you have to figure it out for yourself but it's a yeah yeah and I don't I, you know, I can't profess to know much about all that. I, like I said, it's, it's my personal gauge of when I'm viewing and I start feeling less than, or that's when I'm like, okay, I'm done. And I do have a rule. I mean, I'm a new mom. So I mean, I haven't navigated this before, but for me, I really limit, like, I do not like being on my phone in front of my daughter. Um, because she's already like grabbing at my phone and I'm like, nope. And so one friend says, this is a tool, not a toy. Yeah. And so I really like, I take pictures of her, but I don't, I save my time on my phone when I'm not with her. Um, but yeah, that's, a, that's, I think everyone can do that for themselves as far as what their gauge gauges on that. And then Number lastly, four. yeah, not lastly. So this kind of goes along with one of the other ones, but I, I think it is separate. So find what brings you joy and just do more of that. Right. So I think it's always recommended, but rarely anyone follows it. And I think it's different than self care. Right. I mean, self care is like you getting a massage and like doing your toenails and like, you know, taking a bit bath and like actually like taking care of yourself. For me, what brings you joy I think that when you do what brings you joy and you're doing more of it, then you're just not so concerned about what other people think and what everyone else is doing. Right. Um, Because you got to do you. And so if you aren't doing what makes you happy, then you really can't be doing that. And I think embracing whatever that is. So, you know, for me, uh, I really love agriculture and that's in all forms, horticulture, um, food production. I just love it. I was a front yard gardener in Chicago. Um, I had a front yard garden, a backyard garden. I loved it. It gives me joy. Um, when I'm not doing that, which, you know, when we were at Fort Campbell, I wasn't able to, but you have to like find little thing, little ways, right. To like make you happy. And I've noticed with this transition into being a mom, um, it was hard. I, I will say um, when I was back at Fort Campbell, so we were there until my daughter was seven months old. Those first few months, um, I got out a lot. Like I walk. That's really important for me is to be outside. And then I I believe, I've said it multiple times here, I believe in therapists. And so I have friends, you know, when you take that like postpartum depression quiz, they like mm-hmm. ask you all the time, right? And I remember people asking like, if I had postpartum depression and I finally was like, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel depressed. Um, 
because there is a difference between sadness and depression, right? There's a little bit of um, being hopeless or helpless, but I love the MFLAX. So if anyone doesn't know about that, every base or, you know, if you're in the army, I'm, I'm sure the other services have it too. It's free therapy, right? You can walk in anytime. Every unit should have them too. I know you're, you advocate for this. And so I went and I found one of the MFLAX, um, and I talked to her and I'd go every week and I'd bring my daughter in there. And, um, she had me list out all the expectations that I had of motherhood and my list filled an entire page and went on to another page. And she's like, so you, you do not have postpartum depression. Like nothing from what you've described over this, you know, our, our, in our discussions has indicated that you just have a lot of expectations. Um, <laughs> And I had expectations for myself as a mother, for my daughter. Um, you know, I didn't think that I, I didn't even know what a colicky baby was. So I didn't know that there could be easy babies, easy quote, you know, easy and quote, difficult babies. I just thought there was babies. <laughs> I'm like, what do you, do? you just feed them and they sleep, right? You, they poop. I don't know. Um, she was a handful. Uh, anyways, she really helped me. My therapist uh, really helped me like kind of let go of a lot of those expectations and just be happy in my new role. And so for someone who, for in my situation, who I was working full time, I had gotten my master's. I was good at what I did. And then I didn't have that anymore. And then I'm going into this new role and I was feeling like a complete failure at it. Uh, and she was, she told me that there's only a few situations in life that are so big and monumental. And one is like, uh, what, I'm getting married, right? When you get married, that's a big transition in life. Two is when you have a death in the family and, or excuse me, well, yeah. And then three is a birth, right? So these huge things in life, like you need support. And so for me, um, I reached out and I got that support because there's so many resources out there. We just have to like, you know, find them. So in the, what she did, she helped me see that I needed to like get back to like finding what made me, what brought me joy in doing more of that. Um, and then also just not feeling like I had to do all of it, which you know, and you advocate for and other moms who know, right. Know that they like need to take a break and need to have some help and, we are not meant to do it all alone. And so I think that's what's so tough for, um, especially, you know, spouses, uh, waiting warriors, is that oftentimes we are so alone when our husbands are at trainings or deployed. And so just, you know, when finding that help so that you can do what brings you joy, even if it's just for an hour or two. Um, or even just letting letting stuff go. Yeah. And it's so funny because as you were talking, you're talking about how you had those expectations and that all babies would be the same. But it's so funny because even at that instant, just babies, every baby is so different. Like I've had four kids and while they're similar in a lot of ways, they're all so different and they're all so different from like day, <laughs> like, I mean, to yeah. me, like the first few days are kind of all the same. Yeah. And blurry, but like day 10 when I'm actually uh-huh. awake yeah. and not like <laughs> dazed and confused. Yeah, recovered yeah. from the birth, but like they're they're all so different. But then we 
we get older and we're expecting us, we're expecting ourselves to be and like and do the same thing as everybody else. But then you look at these children and it's like, no, they're so different. Like if you look at my four girls, they're only six (laughs) six years apart. So you would Uh think six years apart, all girls, they would have an opportunity to all be the same. But yet they're so, so different. Like Emma, Austin and I were just talking about it the other day. Like we kind of describe Emma as like, she's just going to be the MVP She's going to be that player on, you know, because I, I do. So it's like sports analogy. <laughs> okay. She's like the player that just gives it her all and will give her whole heart and soul to the team. Mary is the cheerleader. Hands down. Aww. The frills, she will cheer you on. But, like, she loves the frills. She loves the skirts. She wants to do backflips for everybody and everything. Anne's totally the coach. Like, she's <sighs> this, like, she's the raddest kid in the world. And we'll just cheer you on. Nothing can bring her down. And then June is just like, she's the, she is the mom in the stands that's like, just wants everybody <laughs> to be so happy because she is just, she smiles with her whole body and everything. It's like, Aww. they're all so different. And I, like, it makes me so sad to think that in 20 years, mm-hmm. um, they will be in very similar spots that I'm in and they'll be all wanting to be the same. And like, as a mom, that breaks my heart because you see how beautiful they each are and Mm -hmm. yet they'd want to be different. And then, and they can't, if Mary tries to be like Emma, like then she's not being Mary and that would be so sad. And just thinking about that this week, like in, preparing for your Mm. interview that made me so sad that Mm. they would try to spend so much time being something that they're not but if they would just do them if Mary Mm. would just marry then like that gets me so giddy and excited yes you know you just gave me goosebumps like straight up goosebumps because I love that analogy like that is the perfect I'm so happy that you shared that because that's like a perfect perfect example of that we don't need everyone to be a coach. We don't need everyone to be, you know, a post or, you know, being yeah. that basketball player. I'm thinking of basketball. That's what I played. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking we about need the guard. Football. We need the guard. We yeah. need the forward. We need the post. Yeah. We need yeah. the right guard. We need the right yeah. forward. We need the left forward. Like, yeah. you, the whole court. We need it all. Yeah. Yeah. I love that analogy. And that's the thing is that, like, why try to be – you know, like anyone else, when you could just be a really good coach or really good, you know, cheerleader. And I think, so, you know, I want to ask you this is like, why or how then do you feel like you will try to raise your daughters so that they, you know, how, I guess, what are you going to try to instill in them? You know what I'm saying? Like, because you see them now, how individualistic they are and how wonderful they are now. And yet they're going to keep growing and then they're going to be influenced by everyone and like, how do you know? How do you? You just switch. You just switch. <laughs> me. Yeah. Um, no. I mean, is there anything that stands out to you of like how you're gonna do that? I try really hard to to like be subtle about it and everyday about it. That like I I love them for them and um 
to praise or to just comment on their awesomeness. Like, mm-hmm. and that, like, the things that I know other people, because, like, it's so sad because even Emma at, like, six years old has already had little instances of, like, she really loves to eat peppers, just, like, mm-hmm you know, those mini peppers that you can buy in a bag. She loves to eat those and she thinks that they're delicious. And I think it's awesome that she is a six-year-old, loves him. But so she took him to school and then um, after a few times, I was packing her lunch and she said, oh no, I don't want that. And I was like, why? You love peppers? She's like, yeah, I do. But my friends were saying they're hot and that they thought it was crazy that, you know, I liked hot peppers and all that, like she was just feeling all self-conscious because her friends don't like peppers because they're hot and all that kind of stuff. And so it's like, I, you know, I don't want to overanalyze, but I, I've tried really hard to not let any opportunity pass by to like, just emphasize the fact that they love it. And kind of, kind of that same thought of what my mom always said is like, if people love it, then that's great. But if they don't, that's, they're just not worth your time. And there will be people who will love you for you. And so I think my plan is just to, to be mindful, to make sure that I don't put them all in a box mm-hmm. and squeeze them all together. Especially since like Mary and Emma are so close in age. I know mm-hmm. it could be really easy to be like, okay, you both are going to do soccer. You both are going to do this you're both going to do that or you're going to wear the same thing or whatever but just like let them let them make the choices that they want but also just like constantly trying to watch out for the smaller things of of just them being confident in themselves I guess Mm -hmm. and 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 praising praising the different because it really has been, like, even as simple as um, family members. So, like, Anne, you, you've seen Anne. And and if any of the listeners follow on Instagram, you have Anne. Lately, it's been this, like, uh, Fashion Choices by Anne. And it's been mm-hmm. quite, quite the event. She was a nudist for a while. For a long time, before she was a nudist, she would only wear her Batman, like, right. like Halloween costume with the muscles and stuff. Um, but then she would only wear like three shirts. And there has been comments like from family of like, you should be putting her in pink or like you should be buying, you know, buy her just more like girly things. But like, if you go to a store with Anne, she will tell you exactly <laughs> what she likes and what she doesn't like. Yeah. And Instead of getting frustrated with that, because like we go to church and I like my children to wear um, kind of special, not like they have to be in like ball gowns, but I yeah. think for church we wear our best. And so I think that's dresses and stuff. And for a while she had a hard time picking dresses. And, at, you know, instead of getting too frustrated, I just kind of like tried to find something that worked for her and found the compromise instead of saying like, you're going to do it this way, because then that's me making her be like me, you know? So it's just, it's been really interesting as a mother to be discovering that 
in my own life over the last like 10 years mm-hmm. and then having four girls, you know, like, yeah. because now, now I really, really have to practice what I preach because yes. for my girls and it's almost like, it's, it almost feels like I've been learning this for myself and, you know, I initially thought that the practicing when I was preaching and when I was learning was in the self-talk and like what I did to myself, but mm-hmm. I'm discovering, especially this is like Emma's not even that old, but just as she's getting older, like the true test will be the true test to see if I really, really get this is if my daughters, if I can teach it to my daughters. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it'll probably be, I'm going to have these four things that you just mentioned and that's going to be like our daily discussion. Yeah. Like, no, I, I love that so much because the, what that shows me right there is that like, it's, it's tough. Right. And I love what you said that it really hit home to me about, was it not Emma, but oh goodness. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. uh, about how she was like, so adamant about what she wears. Right. Yeah. That's Anne. And at three I, years old, guys. Right. <laughs> I will tell you that, like, that hits home to me because I, and I'm going to put a label on me, but, like, this is the thing is, right? It's like you said, like, you didn't want to box your children in. And I love that because, like, that's something that's, like, I I didn't put it on my list, but that's something that I love is, like, don't box people in. Like, don't box yourself in. Don't box other people in. And, like, for you, don't box your children in, right? Yeah. And because what happens so frequently is it's like you label yourself this way and then that doesn't give you opportunity to like try new things. And so for me, uh, I was a tomboy, right? I was a tomboy. I was tomboyish, whatever you want to call it. Growing up, I liked wearing my brother's clothes. I liked, I didn't like girly things. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, that was me putting that label on myself, but that's also just kind of like who I was. I don't, I don't think I knew what else to call that. Right. I think when you're different, you just are like, I don't know. Um, and I think my mom was always trying, you know, I was her first daughter, uh, trying to make me girly Mm -hmm. and I just wasn't. And then I think I kind of boxed myself into that to a point where when I went off to college, I was like, well, no, this is the way I am. Right. I wore jeans and I wore t-shirts like I, I was a type that I'd go to Target and I'd buy one t-shirt that fit me and I'd buy it in like seven different colors. <laughs> yes. And I knew the jeans I liked. I'd buy those at the farm store. Like I, and I had boots or tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very simple. Let's just say, and I still really am. Um, I, but I have learned that just because, uh, so, so I'll, I'll tell you that like it, I did an internship in New Zealand so when I was in college, I got to go and I worked on a farm in New Zealand. So I lived there for a semester. I knew not a soul, right? Like I did not know a single person on that entire island. And well, that's not true because after a month, another gal from my college came, but like we were acquaintances. Um, we got to know each other better, but I didn't know anyone at the farm. And what that was, what was so freeing about that, and maybe this similar to like when you PCS is that no one knows you, right? For the most part, no one knows you. So I was there in New Zealand. No one knew me. No one knew. I mean, I was working on a farm. I was one of the first girls who had ever worked at that farm. Uh, I was driving truck and tractor and I was doing, I was also doing um, like a research project there. So I had to do, I had to do like a presentation when I came back to my university and 
But what I love about this memory is that no one knew me. And so although I had been a tomboy back home, right, quotes, tomboy, I was like, I was in a store once with a friend and there was a purse and I kind of liked this purse, but I had never owned a purse. This is ridiculous, right? I was like 19, I think I was 19, never owned a purse. So I was just like, oh, that's girly, right? Like, that's not me. But I was there and I was like, no one knows that I don't have a purse. No one knows that like, that's not me. And mm-hmm. so I bought the purse. I still have that purse and I don't even like use it anymore, but it's in my closet as a reminder that like, I don't have to be boxed in, you know, like I can like try new things. And so since that time, I've learned that like, I can be strong and I can be feminine. I can mm-hmm. be, you know, I can be introverted and I can be extroverted. I can be different things. So it's like, I can wear makeup one day and like get all dolled up. And the next day I can get dirty and be outside and like, that's okay. And I mean, I feel like that's what happens when you mature, but sometimes I think that some people just still keep themselves in a box. And um, I don't know, I think it's really important to not do that to other people, but not to do that to yourself and to let yourself try new things and be like, you know what, I've never done this, but I want to try it. You know, like for me, uh, one thing I went to art therapy for a while uh, when I was in Chicago, I was like, I don't know. I kind of was tired of talk therapy, uh, which is like, you know, you just go and talk. Mm-hmm. And so I tried an art therapist. And do you know why I tried an art therapist? Is because I feel like I have zero art, like creativity in my bones. And uh, the therapist actually kind of laughed at it. She's like, why are you here? And I was like, you know what? I just want to push myself and I want to see if like being exposed to it and like, that's the thing is, I think when you expose yourself to something that makes you a little bit uncomfortable, like you learn and you learn about yourself, um, you, you know, and so that helped me. But I feel like I digress there a little bit. <laughs> no, because I feel like that circles right back into figuring out what brings you joy and doing more of that. Because even even something as simple as putting on makeup or not and like figuring out where your level is because that's totally what I've done over the years as a military spouse like I've discovered for me Mm -hmm. and this is not saying it has to be the way for anybody else but for me when I take a second almost every day and get ready sometimes that's makeup sometimes that's brushing my hair like I need to do something to make Mm -hmm. myself look like I didn't just roll (laughs) out of bed you know and then yeah. I haven't been sleep deprived for the last six years. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Tried to do something to prepare myself. That like helps me a lot. But then mm-hmm. I know there are other women where it's like, for me, even just that simple thing, like that helps me for some women that doesn't do anything. But then like, even just that, like there's the whole sc- in that concept, like there's a whole scheme of, some women, it's like getting a full face of makeup and curling their hair every day. Some people, they don't have to go that extreme, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. but when you, if you box yourself into something, then you never take the time to figure out what actually brings you joy. But mm-hmm. if, but when you get out of that box, then you can actually figure out what bring, <laughs> brings you joy. And then everything's so much better. Yeah. Well, and I think also it's just like it opens you up to new opportunities. So yeah. when I moved here, uh, one of the first things I did was I, well, is that I I just got to know different people in my neighborhood. And I remember a woman 
who had been here, I think over a year. Uh, we just met up for like a little play date with our daughters because I found out she has a daughter who is the same age. I think she was born a week after mine. And so she, and I was telling her like I was doing all these different things and she's like, wow, you've been here, what, a couple weeks and you're involved in all this stuff. She's like, wow, I mean, I've been here a year and I haven't even, and for her, that's okay. But for me, it's like, I need to like jump into it and I need to like get myself involved. I can't like wait just just because I know for myself, like I need to do that. And thinking about your analogy with your daughters, like the sports analogy, and then just also like some of the things I thought about, I want to like just share one quote that I really love, which is, my sister sent this to me. My sister, I love her to death. She's nine years younger than me. I helped raise her. I feel like a second, I mean, I don't want to say I'm a second mom to her, but we definitely had like a kinship growing up. And when I went off to college and she's just my favorite little girl. And she made me a card the other day and she sent it to me. And she's like, she said that this quote reminded her of me and it's called, it says a flower does not think of competing with a flower next to it. It just blooms. And I'll say that again because I love it so much. Yeah. A flower does not think of competing with a flower next to it. It just blooms. And I've heard this before in different settings where a woman, and it's kind of like your analogy too, with this like, we are all different flowers. And if we can think of that, if we can think that each woman, and I'm thinking of like your waiting warriors, and I'm like, I am not an emotional person. <laughs> uh, but sometimes like certain things touch my heart. And this is one topic that does is that if we can think of each other as like these beautiful flowers, whether you're a sunflower, you're a, you know, magnolia, you're a zinnia, whatever you are, like, you're not going to compete to be a sunflower, right? Like if you are, I don't know, a little blue bonnet, you're never going to be a sunflower. So just be the best thing blue bonnet you can be, you know, I'm here in Texas, right? So, and I just, I love that, that like, if we think of this like beautiful bouquet or this you know, this pasture of flowers. Like, I just love that imagery. And I, that's what I think of when we get other women together. And I love that, like, I don't need you all to be the same as me. You know, I don't know what flower I am. I do love sunflowers, but <laughs> I don't need, you know, I don't need my good friends. And that's the thing is like, when I search out friends, I don't specifically try for a certain friendship, but I do love differences. I love when someone else is different than me um, because I just love that, that, uh, I, I love that we can all bring something new and uh, to to friendships and yeah and I yeah <laughs> I don't know what else to say to that but that's like something that I was thinking of that just really warms my soul when I think of this topic in particular yeah you do you you be the sunflower I'll be the lilac somebody else yes. be the rose yes it's way prettier that way ah lavender like too. It. Like lavender. Now we're just talking about that. Yeah. Um, So last question. What is your key to thriving that you want to share with your fellow waiting warriors? Okay. So it was really hard to narrow down to just one thing, but I think I'll start with this is that I choose to be vulnerable and I put myself out there. So I really believe in like being authentic. So whatever that may be for you, whatever that means. But for me, that's like, I, I really try to get involved. Right. So I sign up. So I volunteer, I really get, try to get involved in my community, my neighborhood, uh, my church, um, the military post. I joined the Fort Hood spouses club recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm going to start going to that. I know one person there. (laughs) 
which is, yeah. And then I invite people over. So our little neighborhood, so I live off post right now and our neighborhood has like a Facebook group. So I'll post on that and I'll be like, Hey, like anyone want to come over and do like a play group now that I have the, I'm embracing this motherhood thing, trying to (laughs) call. Um, and then I speak up and I also, like I said, I, you've heard this from me before, but I would try to reach out to moms because this is the stage I'm in in life right now that know what they're doing, right? Like who've done it before. So I really value, uh, whether that's through podcasts or memoirs or just reaching out to women I know, I ask advice. I, I like to hear others' experiences because that's how I learn. I learn from experiences and from that. And then I exercise. So I really do. I really believe. And that doesn't mean, you know, do anything fancy, but I, um, right now I'm working out with another military spouse in my neighborhood and a trainer who's a, a, a military spouse as well. And so we're keeping each other fit and healthy and we bring our babies to it. Um, and then lastly, I really just believe in that we're all on our own journey. And so we just can never compare our journey to someone else's journey because there are no two that are the same. And I always believe that we can choose to lift others up and not judge others. And I'll leave this. Like one of my last quotes that I live by is that like everyone is fighting a battle that you likely know nothing about. Um, and I just think that if we keep that in our mind, that like people are going through stuff and we don't know what that might be and they can choose to, to let us in. But I think that if we're just kind um, and just be happy with who we are so that we can like help other women, it, women in particular, but men also uh, but <laughs> women and our children. And yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for being on. I feel well fed. I, I love, <laughs> I, I don't know if there's been any bad interviews <laughs> on the podcast. I hope nobody would think that there has been, but there have been a few where like at the end, I just feel really well fed. Like my, my soul just feels really, really good. So thank you so much for sharing with us and for, for being you so you can lift us up. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm so, I'm really happy to, to, that you asked me. I mean, I felt really honored to be asked because I love listening to your podcast. I love following you on Instagram. You're one of my favorites (laughs) because again, it's positive. It's positive. Like I look forward to seeing you. And I love that you, you know, you took this opportunity a couple of years ago, right? I mean, not that long ago to just to do this. I think it's just really exciting. And so I love supporting other women. And I love that you are doing you and doing it awesome. <laughs> As one, if, if one thing you can count on is that I'll, I'll be me. Yeah. I, I, you'll never know what you're going to get. But it was. It's, it's no use being anyone else, right? Yeah. There's no point. Yeah. No yeah. point. Well, thank you, all you waiting warriors out there. You guys go be you. Figure out some way if it's um, just working on one of those things self love, um, being your own cheerleader. Number four was finding your finding what brings you joy. And number three, oh man, I just had it uh, in my brain. Consume positive media. Consume yeah, positive so, media. Yeah. Right. Find one, just one thing you can improve on. I'm sure something popped into your head. Don't be afraid of that thing and just do it. Just give it a little try. 
improve your life a little bit. And then that way we can thrive, which is what we are all about here. So thank you again, Sabrina, and all you waiting warriors out there. You guys have a great week. Hey, fellow waiting warriors. Since I know you are loving this podcast and being able to connect and learn from others, I need you to go and write a review for the podcast. Even just a rating with the stars really helps people find this podcast. And the more people listening means the more people thriving, which is truly my ultimate goal for all of you. It's super simple, will just take a minute, but it will make a world of difference.